everyone welcome back to my channel and to the wonderful world of spirits. So, we are now on the letter P and there are a lot so I'm probably going to try and obviously um, cut it down so it's not long and only put so many in the letter P. The first spirit is Palace from Italy. Palace, among the oldest deities of the Roman region, is extremely mysterious. Maybe male, maybe female, maybe both. Ancient rumour whispers of a liaison between Palace and Vesta, who may not always have been so virginal. Palace may be the inspiration for the donkey-headed lover of the Midsummer Night's Dream. For... Palace provides fertility to people, land and animals. A guardian of flocks protects domestic animals. Should not be confused with Pallas of Greek myth. It's different. Palace is usually envisioned in the form of a donkey. Offering should be lukewarm milk, kind of like fairies. Feast is the 21st of April which is very interesting indeed. But yes, it's not the same as the palace. So the palace is often used as another name for Athena, who is frequently called Pallas Athena. Pallas was, however, originally a distinct deity, the daughter of Triton, Poseidon's son, or Brontus, the Cyclops. Greek myth describes how, as a child, Athena was sent to live with one of those deities, Different versions of the myths. I mean, they're all different, to be honest. Um, you can find many of them. But, you know, it does vary where you, where you come from and how you want to listen to the myth as well. Um, so, Palace has different fathers, so that's one thing. And then there's also another male spirit, a titan named Palace. But, Though they sort of have the same name, they're not the same spirit either. But anyway, Pallas Athena's foster father's daughter was not only a foster sister, but a best friend and playmate, until one day Athena forged a lance for herself. She challenged Pallas to a game in which Pallas was killed with the brand new weapon. Athena, distraught and desolate, set up a shrine dedicated to Pallas, hanging her own goatskin shield upon it, vowing that Pallas would never be forgotten. She adopted her name, referring to herself as Pallas Athena, with Pallas named placed first. And it's unusual the primary deity's name is usually first. The myth has lent itself to centuries of speculation. Was Pallas really Athena's lover? Is the reason Athena rejects all other relationships because she still mourns for Pallas? Is Pallas really Athena, a secret identity, shadow self or alter ego, now left for dead? And, of course, the controversy goes on and on. <laughs> but yeah, as you can imagine, um, which one's true? Who knows? I guess it's for you to make your own mind up. The next is Pan. Have to do Pan right. He's Greece, by the way. 
O good foot god of Arcaday, this modern world hath need of thee. Sorot poet Oscar Wilde, beginning in the 19th century, Pan became a symbol of wild nature, the untamed libido, primal human nature and also paganism. It's no coincidence that James N. Barry's wild little hero is named Peter Pan. Pan is the spirit of the wild, irrepressible life essence. He's sexually voracious, always chasing after nymphs, always ready for a romantic interlude with men, women and probably goats too. People tend to laugh at Pan because they perceive him as a bestial and ugly. Many paintings portray nymphs running from him, but they tend to be the exception. Pan's erotic talents are legendary. He even seduced Aphrodite. Pan swore to have sex with every maenad and he kept his word. Pan is no trivial woodland sprite. He's a great god of tremendous power. His name derives from Peon, a pasturer. Pan is lord of fertility, wild nature, ecstatic music, wild goats, shepherds, flocks and hunters. He bestows musical skill. Officially, he's the son of Hermes and a nymph. But other myths suggest that he's older than the Olympic pantheon. Pan allegedly taught Apollo the art of prophecy. He gave Artemis her first hunting hounds. Pan is the spirit of corners, thresholds, borders and edges. He's most likely seen at twilight at the edge of the woods from the corner of your eye. The word panic derives from Pan. It's the reaction caused by his shout. Pan has no need for conventional weapons, as his voice is sufficient to install panic. The Greeks credited Pan with causing the Persians to flee in absolute terror at the Battle of Marathon. Pan may be a musician, but he also inspires many authors. Pan inspires artists too many of them which you can go see because there's many paintings and stories of Pan. Pan is among the dancing spirits in the Anasus entourage. Pan is venerated alongside nymphs, Hermes, Thenusus and Arene. He favours shepherds, hunters and free spirits. And he is now a patron of gay love. Pan has a man's head and an upper torso and shaggy goats, horns, legs and hindquarters. You can see him in all sort of ways, but I mean images of Pan served as a prototype for the Christian devil. Bear that in mind. He's attributed to the Pan pipes. And he can also have allies like Hermes, Dionysus and the nymphs. His creatures are goats, his season is spring, his colours are purple, brown and green. Pan's preferred haunts include fields, groves, caves and forested mountains. Do not petition Pan at noon or anywhere near lunchtime. He likes to take a nap and he, he likes to take a very good nap at that time. Quite cranky if woken. Twilight or evening hours are the best time to contact him. October's full moon is called Pan's moon. Alternatively, lover's moon. Traditionally the night when one's true love is revealed in dreams and depending on what is witnessed. Possibly cause for panic. Pan had a, an altar beside Demeter in the Arcadian shrine. Offerings to Pan should be honey milk, erotic images, musical instruments, especially Pan pipes, 
I know that he also quite likes to have some alcohol and um, cherries. But the expensive Spanish cherries, not just any cherry. He's quite particular on that. That I do know. And so now we move on to the next. And the next one's called Pandora. All giving rich in gifts from Greece. Has any goddess ever been more defamed than Pandora? Hesse's Virgin of Hermith is so famous and familiar that the term Pandora's box has entered the cultural vocabulary, but this account is a perversion of the earlier myth. In the oldest version, Pandora emerged out of Earth as an aviator or emanation of Gaia, not from the workshop of the Olympian spirits. She brought gifts, not curses. Her gifts to humanity are botanical, including fruit, herbs for magical healing, culinary use and flax for clothing. Pandora is a plant goddess. She brought humanity another present too, flint stones with which to make fire. Pandora taught people to make fire. They didn't have to wait for lightning from the sky or another day to steal it for them. Perhaps this fire was later hidden, necessitizing Prometheus's theft. According to Hesiod's version, Pandora's very existence is a result of that theft. Hesiod tells his story twice. In the mythic cycle, the Theogony, she is anonymous, only described as beautiful evil. In his works and days, Hesiod names her. Zeus was angry at Prometheus for bringing fire to humanity. Having punished Prometheus, he decided to punish people too. Pandora, described as the first woman, was the vehicle of punishment. The Olympic spirits collaborated on her creation, and she's a joint production. Zeus sent her to her as a gift for Prometheus's brother. And that was um, Epimetheus, I think? Not 100% sure. Prometheus warned him not to accept any gifts from Zeus, but Pandora was too luscious to refuse. The deities had sent her to Earth with a closed box, telling her never to open it. She disobeyed, releasing every sort of disease and misery, the gifts that she is now credited with giving. Pandora means all gifts. Ask her for what you actually desire. She manifests as a beautiful woman wearing a golden crown, decorated with images of land and marine creatures. Obviously, She's attributed to a box or large storage jar for obvious reasons, let's say. Um, yeah, all the stuff you hear about Pandora's box now, most of it is just a lot of folklore and myth and none of it actually stands for anything. Um, go back to the most oldest forms of um, Pandora and, and honestly, it's it's just not the same. It's completely different, you know. But like I said, it's very weird how they did this with a lot of gods or goddesses. Um, after Christianity came in religion, they sort of, well, they changed them all, didn't they, into like evil things. Anyway, the next spirit, Pecunus, also known as Pecons, Baltic is the origin. Pecunus, Lord of Fire, is the Baltic thunder spirit. Thunder is his voice. Pakunas eventually became a chief Lithuanian deity, protector of the state. Despite his power, Pakunas is subordinate to Lima and must defer to her. 
During the last officially pagan centuries in Lithuania, Pakunas was the most famous and widely venerated deity. In 1583, Jesuits visiting Lithuania were dismayed to witness active veneration of Pakunas and his oaks. Pakunas revives Earth's fertility. The first clap of thunder in spring shakes sleeping Earth awake and purifies the water. People waited for that first thunder of spring, eagerly anticipating Pakuna's blessings. Traditionally, soil wasn't tilled in spring until after Pakuna's had given the go-ahead via the first thunder. Pakuna's controls rain and thus agricultural fertility and abundance. Pakunas also protects social order, is a righteous spirit of justice, but is very impatient, restless and ruthless. Pakunas is a sworn enemy of wicked people and malicious spirits. He banishes evil spirits and protects people from them. He transmits healing power by lightning struck trees and stones. He protects from fever, toothaches and illnesses caused by fright. What is Latin America would be called susto. The thunderstorms he drops from the sky radiate fertility power. Bakunas communicates via thunder, starting from the vernal equinox. If there is no thunder in spring, that is a bad sign, indicating hard times ahead, possibly epidemics, natural disasters or famine. If the season's first thunder occurs on St. George's Day, April 23rd, this is an excellent sign. Pakunas and his priesthood were once major landholders. He marks his territory with lightning. Lightning struck tree, hills and forests are sacred to Pakunas and were once dedicated to him. Territory claimed by Pakunas was surrounded by oak groves, fence protected by moats and reserved for sacred use. Sacred fires dedicated to Pakunas were maintained by women described by observers as vestals. He favours soldiers, warriors, farmers, and those who survive being struck by lightning are consecrated to him. Um, he hates liars, thieves, and selfish and grateful sons. He's attributed to a double axe and a lightning bolt. His birds are the cuckoo and the pigeon. His element is fire. His day is Thursday. Now, Though his day is Thursday, Pakunas is honoured throughout the year, especially on these dates, 3rd of February, Candlemas, Easter Sunday, 24th of June, Pakunas Fire, 29th of June, Pakunas Day, 1st of October, Pakunas Day. His tree is ash and oak, and his plant is rue. Very wonderful spirit indeed. The next spirit is from China, that's its origin. And it's Pi Xiung, P-I-X-I-U. P-I and X-I-U are separate, but it's Pi Xiung. Pi Xiung is an ancient spirit and a modern Feng Shui guardian. Pi Xiung has the head of a three-horned dragon, the body of a horse and the claws of a lion. What Pi Xiung has is perhaps not as significant as what he lacks. Pi Xiung has no anus. What goes in can't come out. Because of this, Pishu is considered a harbinger and a talisman of wealth. Hmm. Rub Pishu amulet over your naked body from your head to your posterior. Bring the amulet back over your heart chakra located in the centre of your chest to retain 
Pichu's blessings. Mm. You can also have a Pichu bath. Blend equal parts rainwater and either spring or tap water. Boil the water, then pour it over pomelo leaves, Chinese grapefruit. Once the water has cooled sufficiently, bathe a Pichu amulet in it. Use the water to cleanse yourself, other people, and an area for luck and good fortune. The next spirit is the Pinga. She who is on high. The origin of the Pinga is Inuit. Pinga is the goddess of fertility, healing, and the hunt. She presides over life, death, abundance, and famine. She has dominion over land animals, but unlike fellow Inuit goddesses, Sedna, who presides over the harvest from the sea, Pinga does not withhold animals if she's angry. Pinga watches, observes, and judges. Pinga supervises conception and birth, judges human behaviour, especially treatment of animals. Heals people via shamans who channel her, and is a psychopomp who escorts the dead to their area. You know, it's a transit area where souls are purified before moving to a more pleasant realm. So that's different. I've not heard of that one before, I have to admit. And obviously, we're not going to do pixies because we all know what the pesky pits, pigs, oh la la. Yeah, the pesky pits, pixies are. I always get tongue-tied at saying that. Oh my days. So we'll move on to the Pleiades, the Star Sisters, the Seven Sisters from Greece. The, ste- the Seven Star Sisters are goddesses of the seven-starred constellation called the Pleiades. These star goddesses are the daughters of Atlas, Titan and Pleon, and Oceaned. As primordial pre-Olympian goddesses, they were very much in demand by the Olympians. All but one had a relationship with an Olympian. The Pleiades... Mothers of deities and heroes include Maya, Alcyone, Tegeth, Electra, Selieno, Sterop or Astorop, and Merop. Maya was ostensibly their leader but was venerated independently and may have been very busy as Hermes' mother. Alcyone then took owner over leadership of the remaining six. They were venerated together as a group throughout Greece. And they are, they're quite important as well. They're birds, the dove, and their constellation is the Pleiades star. And you can really look into the Pleiades because they have a really um, large backstory to them that's quite interesting if you're into that kind of stuff, you know. The next spirit is Pomona, the Apple Queen. Origin is Rome, but she is a nymph. Pomona is the spirit of fresh fruit and fruit trees, especially apples. A name derives from the Latin, pomum, similar to the French pomme or apple. The Romans were responsible for first domesticating wild apples, transforming sour fruit into dear sweet, juicy apples. Presumably, Pomona taught them the very secret, for she is a goddess of harvest and of enchantment. The eve of her feast day coincides with Halloween. Many scholars believe that at least some of the harvest-related aspects of the modern holiday are vestigial remnants of her old Roman feast. Pomona is a solitary goddess, but she is as tempting and desirable as her apples. 
Many sought after beautiful Pomona, including Pan, but she rejected them all, preferring to remain independent. She was finally wooed and won by Vertumnus, male spirit of the shifting seasons, now a consort. Vertumnus represents the year in its guise as shapeshifter. Pomona initially rejected him too, until he gained a trust by approaching, in the form of an old woman, a classic bit of ancient Halloween masquerading. Or was it? Some theorise that Pomona prefers the love of women, and Vertumnus prefers to be whomever Pomona desires. Pomona's petition to transform the bitterness of existence into sweetness. She may be invoked to ensure the success of many love spells, utilising apples. She's attributed to the pruning knife. And her ally, well, she can have Diana or Flora come with her. Day of um, sort of wayward, I don't know, give offerings to her or call for her. First of November, that's the ancient Roman feast of Pomona. Ritual bobbing for apples, and now reduced to a Halloween party game as its roots in divination rituals and some sort of fortune to each apple to receive Pomona's messages. She should be offered baskets of apples, apple pine pastries, hard cider or apple juice. Yeah, that kind of makes sense for a spirit like that, I think, don't you? <laughs> Definitely. So for the next spirit, we go to Etruscan. And this spirit is called Potsvota. Potsvota is a spirit of the past. The two, there's like the spirit of the past and the spirit of the future, obviously, which we've done Antivota. She's the spirit of the future. The two of them do serve as entourage of Comenta. They may all be venerated together. Posvota literally means after change, with a play of words. Posvota is also known as Posvieta, indicating first feet, or a breach birth position. Postwater is petitioned for assistance with pregnancy, labour and women's reproduction ailments. Request her assistance turning a breech baby the right way round. Planet is moon, element is water and the feast day is 11th of January and the 15th of January also. The very last spirit we're going to put into P is something that I think is very wise to bring up because you've probably heard me mention it a few times when I say it is a, a psychopomp spirit. Well, psychopomp spirits are everywhere. After death, how does one arrive at the next realm? Spirits known as psychopomps, literally conductors of souls, serve as our guides. Psychopomps are spirits who travel back and forth between realms of death and life. They come in all different forms, kind and beautiful, or fierce, frightening or mean. Virtually all spirit traditions acknowledge some sort of psychopomp. They don't only serve the dead, but sometimes they assist the living. They may petition for mercy if death is prolonged and painful. If dead souls refuse to leave manifesting in ghostly hauntings, psychopomps may be petitioned to remove them and escort them to a more appropriate destination. And that's what we mean when we're talking about, when we say psychopomp and we're referring to a spirit, is because it's a spirit that ferries the souls to the rightful place. And that 
is the peas done in our wonderful world of spirits. Thank you for staying with me and listening. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings. Hello everyone, welcome back to my channel and to the wonderful world of spirits. We're now on the letter Q's, and I'm probably going to say there's not going to be many in the letter Q, I don't think. But the first one is Karin. Q-A-R-I-N, pronounced Karin. In folklore tradition, common throughout North Africa and the Middle East, every human being has a spirit, double or alter ego. The modern Arabic term for this double is Karin or Karina. The Karin is a doppelganger, shadow or reflection. Sometimes it's an evil twin. Spirit and humans are born and die at the same moment and share an intense psychic, psychic bond, although they may be extremely unaware of it. Variations on this exist throughout the Semitic world. In Jewish folklore, human and spirit share the same gender. Human and spirit are born, marry and die simultaneously. If you have children, they have children. When your life is tragic, so is theirs. The spirit reflection lives on the other side of the mirror. In Egyptian and some Arabic folklore, a man possesses a female, um, Kari, obviously, and vice versa, while obviously women will have the male, very complex relationships actually they do form and if you marry someone they're Karin or Karina marry too if you divorce and remarry there are repercussions on the other side of the mirror in Moroccan folklore relationships are even more complex each individual possess a star double up in the sky and a leaf on the tree of paradise as well as a standard spirit double all for human spirit, leaf and star are cosmically linked. If we get sick, so do our spirits. The star pales, the leaf withers. When we die, the spirit dies too. The star becomes a shooting star and falls from the sky. The leaf then falls from the tree. As long as Karin and Newman lead parallel lives with no interaction, there's rarely any trouble. But sometimes the Karin becomes fixated or jealous of its human counterpart. In which case, those evil twin tendencies may absolutely start. For example, though, a Karin may not sort of threaten to kill you because it will die with you. But a Karin with no children may threaten your children because it will not suffer any corresponding losses. Amulets are used to protect against the Karin, especially fish-shaped amulets. The Seven Covenants of Solomon... Um, seven grains, each of seven different kinds of grain, in a charm bag and hang near a cradle, carry or wear. The Karin will be generally invisible, but the physically gifted may sense or see them. Karins are doppelgangers. Looking at your Karin is like looking into a mirror. Some Karins are also able to assume the form of cats or dogs. Creatures, cats and to a lesser extent, dogs. These animals may be the Karins in disguise, or some Karins may just be 
inordinately fond of them, which, I mean, we are, right? Cats and dogs may also serve as messengers of the Corinne. So they're kind of like a double of us, but it's just really weird. I'm not, you know, I don't know. It's just really weird. So the next spirit is Quebhut. And apparently this spirit has many other names. Kebahet, Kebachet, Kebhut, Kebekchet, Quebhuit, Quebaut, and the Quebhut. It's from Egypt. The goddess of mystical water of life, and she presides over magical, reviving powers of water. The daughter of funerary deity Anubis serves her father's assistant. She blesses and empowers water, then carries it to him so that this water may be used in funeral rites. She's actively involved in the tradition, sacred mummification process, that Anubis pioneered. She personally bathes the entrails of the deceased during the mummification process. The souls of the deceased were envisioned as being essentially on standby during the traditional seven-day embalming process. During this period, she brings refreshing, purifying water to these souls, keeping them alive until the process is complete and rituals of reanimation are conducted. You can invoke her to preside over cleansing rituals. She has the power to purify any atmosphere or situation that may be able to oppose or reverse any sort of decay or contamination, physical or spiritual. A favoured people are funeral workers, those who cleanse and detoxify water, those actively engaged in sacred cleansing rituals. Her father Anubis and her grandmother also, um, Nephis, are said to be a sort of spirit allies. An element is water as bird is the ostrich. A creature is a snake. Offerings should be incense, pure spring water, and all alcoholic beverages known as the waters of life. And as I said, there's probably not gonna be many in queue. That is literally the whole of queue. Um there is a few more but I just honestly cannot pronounce them whatsoever. So I'm, I would massacre them, literally, and they wouldn't sound anything like they should. Very old ones, um, not very well known today, but like I said, it's Q. There's not many in Q. So thanks for tuning in for this short episode, because it is only a short one. Please hit the like, share if you can, and if you've not yet subscribed, please consider doing so. Many blessings.